Good morning. So Philippians 4, 4 through 8 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. There you are. Just living your life, doing your thing, going about your own business, when all of a sudden it happens. What it is, is different for all of us. Your kid is missing. Turn around, you can't find him. Your boss just asks you to give a presentation in front of the entire company. The hospital bill came and it was much higher than you expected. Another job interview failed. You're caught off guard. You feel attacked by some friend. They ganged up on you, and now you're feeling defensive. You know the feeling that anxiety brings. Tightness in your chest. Increased heart rate. Shortness of breath. Thoughts racing out of control. Panic rising. But that's only... The feelings in the moment. Then there are the hours and the days following, rehearsing in your mind, going over it again in your mind, not being able to sleep because you stay awake, not being able to stop thinking about this thing. And you go over and over and over and you replay it again in your mind and you think, what's wrong with me? Why can't I just stop this? Why am I so worried? Why can't I just get over it? Anxiety and worry are an emotion that every one of us in this room have felt on differing levels. An emotion that can be debilitating, can be crippling. And this morning my hope is, that to, is to give you some hope that, and some tools so that you do not have to be a slave to the feelings of worry and anxiety, but you can be set free. But before we go further, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, that your word gives us all that we need for life and godliness, that it speaks authoritatively and true. Father, this morning, would your word speak to our hearts and not just our ears? Would you give us hope in the midst of anxiety and worry? Would you give us tools? you give us the ability to be free from it. In Jesus' name we pray. All those people said. The text says, do not be anxious about anything. This is a command from God that we're given in the passage. And while uh, some of us may breeze past this like, oh, you know, no big deal. Okay, I won't be anxious. Anxiety and worry for many of us in this room is a burden that we've carried for years. Or maybe it's a new burden that you've just begun to carry and you don't know how to get over it. 
Anxiety, as you all know, is this feeling of great worry, a feeling of great nervousness, of unease, of fear, and even panic. The feeling that at any moment something bad is about to happen, the other shoe is going to drop, and everything is going to, you know, wear in a handbasket. Anxiety, worry, is you talking to yourself about your problems. Anxiety is you rehearsing the worst case scenario. I heard one guy this week say it like this, worry is an internal false prophet who prophesies a Christless future of doom. That there's this internal voice, this internal false prophet who is telling us that the future is Christless and it's it's doom. Anxiety, to say it another way, is a down payment on a problem you have never have. Anxiety is a down payment on a problem you might never have. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Anxiety is like carrying around a backpack full of bricks. It weighs you down and it hampers you and cripples your life. You see, we believe this lie when we have anxiety, when we're worried. We believe this lie that says, if I worry about it today, it will keep me safe tomorrow. That if I have enough worry now, then it will prevent whatever I'm worried about from coming to pass. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said to his disciples, which one of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Which one of you who can worry enough that by his worry could make your life longer? You see, worrying, which leads to anxiety, can not make you live longer, but it can actually shorten your life. It can't make you live longer, but it can shorten your life. It cannot make you taller, worrying, cannot make you hotter, cannot make you skinnier, richer, or cooler. It cannot give you rest. All worry can do is make today miserable. All worry can do is make today awful. It cannot help whatever it is you're worried about. To worry about something You cannot change, all right, let me say it again, to worry about something that you have no power over, something you cannot change, is useless. And to worry about something you can change is stupid because you should just go change it, right? To worry about something you can't change is useless, but to worry about something you can change is stupid because you can just go change it. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher from the 19th century, once said, worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It only empties today of its strength. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It only empties today of its strength. We all know what it's like to worry. We all know what it's like to to feel anxiety. Some of us more than others. Some of us in this room have had full-blown panic attacks. Others have experienced deep worry and stress and fear. There have been moments in my life of great worry. 
worry over my children's safety, worry over a difficult sermon or a church decision, and like, how's it going to be received? How are people going to hear that? And there was one Sunday in particular when I first got here, we are going through Colossians, and there was a sermon that was like, I was going to talk about how like drinking's not a sin, and like why you don't have to wear a suit on Sunday, and all these things, and I mean, I was debilitated. I was, it was like my fourth week here. And I had started in a suit, and I'd already been trimming it down, and this was like the moment of like, hey, guys, Jesus don't care about your suit. And I was so stressed. And thankfully, I went to uh, uh, my, fa- my favorite class, sorry, I have a favorite, my favorite class, the old ladies' class over here, and, and they encouraged me. Because they were the ones I was worried about mostly, but they were encouraging me. And I got through it, and it was okay. But I, there's been great stress sometimes coming into a sermon, it's like, man, this is really hard. And I want it to be received, but, and I just think about it and worry about it, right, and have anxiety over it. There was a time in my life, uh, not too long, a couple years ago, where I'm just sitting in the living room watching TV, and all of a sudden I notice, like, my heart's racing, my chest is getting tight, and I'm like, am I having a heart attack? Like, what is happening? And just feel the anxiety. You don't even know what it's about. You're just like, there's, there's some, something going on, right? And it's like, what is going on? Your breathing kind of gets labored. And you're not sure what's working you up. All of that to say having anxiety is not a problem some people face. It is a human problem. A problem resulting from sin and the curse in the world. And it does you no good to have anxiety and worry and to keep it all to yourself. It does you no good. Sharing that, talking about that, fighting it, getting help is not weakness. It is strength. Weakness is thinking you're strong enough to handle it by yourself. So men, particularly, hear me say, it is not weakness for you to go and talk about the pressure that you are under, the pressure that you feel, the obligations that you feel to provide for your family, to care for your family, or to do whatever it is you feel pressure about, to work at your job. And it's not, it's not weakness to talk about how you're afraid of failing. You have to be honest with yourself and with the Lord and with someone you trust, or you will carry that until you crash. Let me also say, we live in a broken, fallen world, and because of that, our bodies are broken. Like our literal DNA and cells and everything about our bodies is broken, and it is possible that there are some times that our bodies are just so out of whack that we truly do need medicine to help us balance out. That's an okay thing. Sometimes we can over-spiritualize physical problems and think, well, I'm just going to pray and just, and just have enough faith and get rid of it. And let's say, no, actually, we need a doctor. Now, the problem arises when we, when we get anxiety and, and we get on medication, and we shouldn't be. Right? It's over-prescribed, and we're on it, we shouldn't be, or we, we're just on it, just thinking the medicine's going to fix us, and we're actually not dealing with the root problem. Right? That's an issue. It's a physical thing, but it's also a spiritual thing. It's also an emotional thing. I'm not a doctor, and I cannot tell you whether or not you should have that medicine or not. I can tell you it often masks real problems. I can tell you that sometimes uh, you've got to have it. But the Lord has given us a command here, a command we can follow, a command here not to be anxious. And he's given us a promise, a promise that he will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and give us peace that surpasses understanding. So I believe that there is a path to healing, a path to getting rid of anxiety out of your life, but it doesn't have to uh, come by mustering up more faith and trying to name it and claim it and believe enough. That's a false gospel. 
That's a false gospel that's super popular in churches today that, hey, man, let's just believe more and God will heal our anxiety. Just believe more, show up, and when you walk in, when Christians walk in a room, anxiety disappears. Like, no, that's silly. That's dumb. That's not how it worked at all. Trying to muster up more faith to cure you isn't the answer. Sometimes we think or say, or, or say to others, you know, just stop it. You know, sometimes as a spouse, you, 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 you've made that mistake before. You're like, just stop worrying. Right? What do they say? Well, if I could, I would. Right? Well, just stop it. Like, don't you think I've tried to just stop it? I don't want to be like this. I don't want to worry. I don't know how to stop. My hope this morning is to give you some tools from this text that will help you learn how to fight. Some weapons that you might use to fight worry and anxiety that you might be set free from its clutches. We can't just stop worrying, but we have to replace it with something else. We have to fight it with something else. So four weapons we need. Number one, the weapon of be comforted by the nearness of God in times of worry. In times of worry and stress and anxiety, you should be comforted by the nearness of God. Verse 5 says, the Lord is at hand. You see, God is at work in your life. He's at work in your life for you and for your life. And he is right there with you. Both because he's omnipresent and he's everywhere and because he literally has taken up residence in you as you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Lives inside of you. As the psalmist writes, where can I go from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I go to the depths, you are there. If I rise on the winds of the dawn or settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and hold me fast. God does not drive an ambulance. When you have crisis happen in your life, when, something, when you are worried about something, God's not like, oh, hey, Gabriel, we just got a call. Someone needs some help. Can you go out there and help them? God doesn't respond to crisis. He doesn't drive an ambulance. He doesn't come show up, oh, I didn't, realize, I didn't see that coming, let me come help. No, he doesn't do that. He's always there, always ready, and he sees and knows what's coming before you have even thought about it. Do you know what the most repeated command in the Bible is? The most repeated command in the Bible, I think it's like 700 sometimes, is fear not. Fear not. And we read that command, most often command in the Bible, and it can be a little debilitating, right? We can look at that and go, fear not. Well, okay, I'm just going to stop being afraid. I'm just going to stop worrying. I'm just going to stop being afraid. I just can't do that. We can read that command and, and, and it be debilitating. But what we don't realize sometimes is that command, fear not, most always comes with a following phrase. Fear not, for I am with you. And that changes everything. Fear not because I am with you. And that changes everything. You see, this command is not so much something to do as it is something to understand. It is an invitation. Do not be afraid because your Father is with you. His presence, His power, His control is with you. And He Himself is a comfort. So how do you feel, and how do you know, and how are you to be comforted by the presence of God? Well, particularly, as our verse says, by prayer. But mostly through the reading of the Bible, meditating on his word. I want to give you some practical advice, because some of you guys 
You don't feel the presence of God. You don't know the presence of God. You're not comforted by the nearness of the presence of God. And it's because you don't read this by his word. Like you just expect him to just like, just to feel him and to know he's there, but you never talk to him. Right? It's like you and your wife just like going around living in a house, never speaking to each other, just walking past each other. You just ignore each other. Like you, it's a relationship. And so you, I want to give you some practical advice. Some of you don't read your Bible because you think you need an hour to sit down and study and have commentaries and, and all this jazz. And that's good, right? But here's what you need to do. You need to start your day with a couple verses. Pick a book of the Bible and read three, four, five verses, maybe half a chapter. Read a little, you know, pair this habit with another. If you make, wake up every morning and make coffee, put your Bible beside your coffee maker, and as it's brewing, open it up and read three or four verses and read them over and over and over again until your coffee's done, and then shut it. And what you're doing is you're looking for one nugget, one little truth bomb, one little thing that's like, oh, that's good, and you just keep that for the rest of the day. And maybe you take a picture of it, you write it in your phone, you do whatever, and throughout the day you just go back to that one verse. It's like, I'm just going to kind of rehearse that and think on that. And, and when you do that regularly, not just when the worry comes, but regularly, you will find yourself feeling and knowing the presence of God. I mean, comforted by the presence of God. You see, it's comforting because, you know, we experience this, right? Like a couple nights, uh, a week, couple weeks ago, uh, my son woke up in the middle of the night because he had a nightmare. Uh, and he comes in my room crying and he says, Daddy, I had a bad dream. I'm like, what would you dream about? I don't know. Yeah. Well, what are, you, what are you afraid of? But I don't know. I just had a bad dream. Like he can't even articulate what he's scared of. He's scared of something. He's trembling. And what do you do when that happens? You hold them and you say, it's okay. I'm here. You say, it's okay because I'm here. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. We say the same thing God says. We say, it's my presence. Your father is here. Your mother is here. It's okay. I'm here. I've got you. There's nothing to be afraid of anymore because you're protecting them. And whatever they're afraid of is a shadow and is no match for mama bear. It's our presence that brings them comfort. And it is God, the presence of God in our midst of our worry and our anxiety that brings comfort. Because what threat is a match to the God who created the world and raises the dead? So before you are overcome with worry and anxiety, we've got to go to the Lord. We've got to be near to the Lord. We've got to be clinging to his word. We've got to be praying so that when worry strikes, we already have his presence. And the worry and the anxiety doesn't take a hold of us because we know I'm not to be afraid because he's with me. I'm not afraid because he's with me. I got him. And I've had him all along. He's been here and I feel him and I know and his presence is a comfort to us. Number two, we have to fight for joy. If we're going to get through anxiety, we have to fight for joy by rehearsing gratitude. We have to fight for joy by rehearsing gratitude. In verse 4, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And then in case you missed it, he says, again, I will say rejoice. In case you read it too fast, he repeats it twice. That your joy, your rejoicing, your joy is to be in the Lord. And how do we go about finding joy in the Lord? Well, verse 6 says it's with thanksgiving. By being thankful. By having gratitude. Guys, I used to have this thought 
this, this, this idea that we were all either headed toward a storm in our life, we're coming out of a storm, or we're in the middle of a storm. And that life, you know, if it was good right now, just wait because the storm's coming. And if you're in the middle of a storm, just wait because you're about to get out of it. And if you're about to get out of it, just wait, you're going to have a little bit of a good time before another one comes. I had that kind of thought. But what I've realized as I've gotten older is that life is much more complicated than that. And that uh, life is more, not, not necessarily a series of peaks and valleys. It is just a, a splatter painting of messiness. And good things and bad things often come at the exact same time. And, and peaks and valleys often happen at the exact same time. And stressors and joys often happen together. Life is messy. And so when you are facing worry, uh, the, the way out... It's not to look ahead at the light at the end of the tunnel and one day I'm going to get out of this situation. No, rather the way out of worry in the present is to look in the moment and to find the things right now that you can be grateful for, that you can be thankful for in the midst of your worry. You see, I read this fascinating study this week about how our brains work. And did you know that our brains cannot process anxiety and gratitude at the same time? Incompatible thoughts. You cannot do them simultaneously. Brain just doesn't work that way. Thank you, Jesus. Which means you can only feel one of them or the other. Can't feel both. So while you may not, uh, uh, while you want to fight anxiety, how do, you, how do you fight anxiety? By reversing it through gratitude. You can train your mind, your brain, to hone in on the good things in your life. And when you do that, you can't be worried and you can't be anxious. You can certainly rehearse gratitude when you begin to feel worry. And I think that will be a helpful thing. But also, if you really want to stop your worry and your anxiety, you have to begin to hurt, rehearse your gratitude before the worry even comes. To train your brain in such a way that you are already seeing all the things in your life to be thankful for before the worry comes. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like taking a few moments out of your day. And to pray and thank God for the good things in your life. Because here's what happens when you do that. When you are like, hey, I, I want to just like thank God for some things in my life. Well, you're going to have to start thinking about your life. You're going to have to start kind of taking inventory of your life and kind of surveying your life. And now, all of a sudden, there are all of these things you take for granted. All of these things that are just like uh, status quo things that you're going to start saying, oh, I'm actually thankful that I've got this house roof over my head. Oh, I'm thankful my kids are healthy. Oh, I'm thankful I have a job. Oh, I'm thankful I got a car that will get me to my job. Oh, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. And you'll realize there's a long list of things to be grateful and thankful for. And when that worry comes, and you are, have been rehearsing gratitude, and you can then continue to find the thing in the moment to be grateful for, you, your brain can't be worried at the same time, can't be anxious at the same time. You can retrain your brain. You know, for me, this one of the ways this has kind of worked out for me is, is there have been moments in my life where I've been anxious or worried about something and how it's going to happen. Like, for example, five years ago in September, September will be five years for us being here. And, and five years ago when we moved, um, uh, our house sold in like two days in Virginia. And we're like, man, that's awesome. Well, then the day of closing, it fell through. Right, and so we've got all these plans here, trying to buy a house, you know, trying to get my family here, all these things, and it falls through. And we're like, oh gosh! And now we're out of the summer, we're into the fall, and like the housing market slowed down, and we're like, 
it's on the market, you know, nobody's coming to look at it, people aren't buying houses, schools in, all this stuff, we're getting stressed, um, it, who's going to buy our house, how are we going to move here, how are we going to afford a mortgage and a rent at the same time on a preacher's salary, like how's that going to work? But that, in other times like that, I've had to go back and remember, oh, look at all of these other moments in my life where I didn't know how things were going to work out, or I didn't know what was going to happen, or I didn't know how we were going to get through that. And in every one of them, somehow they worked out. Different things came together, different circumstances came together, and we got through all of them. And so when the moment comes of the stress, I'm able to look back and go, oh, God has never failed me. He's not failed me yet. And so I know that though this is difficult right now, I can trust that he's going to get me through this. I can be grateful and see the ways that he's gotten me through the past and then know he's going to get me through here in the future. And so when I face the next stressful thing, I think back and I'm grateful for how God has always been there. How he's always gotten me through hard things and how I know he'll get me through this one too. And that brings a level of peace that, like our, our text says, surpasses understanding. That I should be freaking out. But instead, I'm just like, well, God's got this. He's in control. He's got me. You see, no matter how bad things are in the moment, there's always something you can thank God for. And so in the moments of worry and anxiety and stress and fear, find the thing to be thankful for. Find the thing to be grateful for. Because your brain can't do both at the same time. And you can fight anxiety and fight the worry and you can trust the Lord will get you through. So we want to practice being thankful. We want to take inventory of our life. We know and trust the nearness of God. And third, this was a little more practical, I, th- I think. Control what you can and trust the rest of God. we got to control what you can control and trust the rest to God. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Everything by prayer and supplication, which requests remain known to God. Take things to God. So often the problem we have is that we are trying to control the things that only God can control. And we try to give God the things that we can control. We do it just the opposite. And if we are going to understand what's in our heads, we have to understand uh, that there are things that we have to put in God's hands and there are things that we put in our hands we got to know which things go where. If we don't know which things go where, what's going to happen is our brains are like a big container. And stress and worry and anxiety come when that container gets filled up with too many things and it overflows and we have anxiety. And so if we're, we've got one container, we're putting either all of the stuff in the, in the me bucket, in the, in the I can do this bucket, or we're putting everything in the God can do this bucket, it's going to overflow and we're going to get stressed out and we're going to have anxiety and panic attacks and whatnot. So l- let me kind of explain. Sometimes... Christians uh, over-respond, this is not really the best way to say this, but like we over-spiritualize things, like we practice, we've got like, we try to have too much faith, like we kind of have this like name it and claim it thing, like, hey man, I need a job and I'm just going to pray and name and claim it, God's going to give me that job. So God, we pray in Jesus' name, give me that job and I'm just going to have faith that he does, right? Or or whatever, and we kind of think, oh, if I just believe enough, then it'll happen. But what we're doing there is we're over-practicing faith and under-practicing responsibility. Or over-practicing faith and under-practicing responsibility. Your brain can only handle so much responsibility and worry. And so we have to figure out what goes in the, the God bucket and what goes in the me bucket, right? 
Uh, so what are the things that only God can do, and what are the things that you have the power to control? So let me, let me keep explaining like this. Uh, let's say you've got a friend who needs a job, right? He needs a job. And you say, oh, cool, man, you need a job, so, like, what are you doing? Are you, like, networking? Are you, like, uh, putting your resume out there? Like, you're, like, trying to figure out what jobs are open and, and you're putting in applications. Like, what are you doing? And he says, no, man, I'm just waiting on God and trying not to freak out. Well, that's cool. That's cool, but maybe what might be better is like you put together a resume and like send it to some people. Like that, like that might be better. You know what I'm saying? Um, what you're doing there is you're trying, you are trying to put what you can do in the God bucket. And it doesn't work like that. And what's going to happen is that God bucket's going to overflow and you're going to have anxiety and stress because you don't have a job and you've been sitting on your couch for six months waiting for God to give you a job. Right, it's like that old story, you know, the guy, the flood comes and the guy's on the, the building, he's been praying for God to rescue him, and he gets a radio call, hey, the flood's coming, get out of here. And he's like, no, nah, I'm waiting on God. And he's on the roof, and the helicopter comes by, and like, hey, man, we'll get you out of here, come on up. No, nah, man, I'm waiting on God. And the boat comes by, and he's like, hey, man, let's get you out of here. No, nah, I'm waiting on God. And then he drowns, and he gets to heaven, he's like, God, I prayed, why didn't you come save me? And he's like, well, I sent you a radio signal, a boat, and a helicopter, what else you want? There are things you can control. Like you say, you got a friend in financial trouble. You're like, hey, man, that's tough. What, what? So, like, what are you doing? Are, like, you cutting back on expenses? Are, like, you making a budget? And like, nah, man, I'm just trusting God and buying lottery tickets. Well, what might be better, what might be better is, like, you make a budget, right? And you cut back on McDonald's, you know? Uh, if not, you're putting these things in the God bucket, they're going to overflow and you're going to have anxiety. Or like, let's say you got a friend, they're like, hey man, I'm trying to find a spouse, I'm trying to get married. And you're like, dude, that's cool, like, what are you doing? Like, you getting on dating apps or like, you like going like, uh, I don't know, to like sing, I don't know, where you find single people? Like, what, do you, what are you doing? And they're like, nah man, I'm just sitting and waiting for God to send me Mrs. Wright. Well, that's cool and all, but like, what might be better is like, you take a shower. <laughs> you know? Or, like, maybe put a shirt on that's got a button on it. You know, I don't know. Or, or let's go back to this thing. Like, maybe get a job because women think jobs are sexy. Right? Like, they just do. And so, so maybe, maybe do that. I don't know. And when you don't, you're going to get anxious because you're sitting on your couch and you're single and you want to you you get married, but you're not doing anything. When we worry, we are taking things we don't control and can't control, and we sit up all night worried about something that only God has the power to control. We can make a budget, we can cut back, we can go find a job, but at the end of the day, there are things we don't control. We don't control the economy. We don't control the stock market. We don't control our boss's decisions, and we don't control whether or not that girl says yes to a date. And so when you stay up all night worried about provision, you are trying to put what is in God's bucket in your hands. You are, right, you are rightfully worried because you're trying to control something like you're not strong enough to control. You're not big enough to control. And so you're trying, you're worrying about this thing you can't control. And it's like, yeah, you can't control it. <laughs> so stop trying. Some of us stay up all night worrying about the health and the wellness of our children. And you see, there are a lot of things we can do. We can be the best parent we can be. We can put up baby gates, right? Uh, we can put in those little things in the outlet so they don't stick stuff in and electrocute themselves. We can swat their hand when they try to touch the stove. We can keep them from making the big mistakes. But what we cannot do is be with them every second of every day. We cannot make every decision for them as they get older. But we stay up late at night worrying and worrying, trying to put what only God can do 
on our shoulders. And when we put what only God can do on our shoulders, it is a weight you cannot bear. The scripture says, by everything, by prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. In other words, take the things you cannot control and put them in God's hands because he can control them. So you control what you can uh, and give God everything else. You're worried about providing for your family? Well, make a resume, make a budget, get an interview, but trust that God has promised to always provide for you. And that you have no idea how God is like working behind the scenes and changing things and manipulating things and working. Like you have no idea what all the things God is putting together to put food on your table. So you can work hard and you can pray and you can trust God with the rest. And you can go to sleep at night and sleep deeply knowing that God is staying awake and that he is continuing to work for you. Some of you have, a difficult, have had recently a difficult health diagnosis. Well, what can you do? Well, you can go to the doctor. You can do what the doctor says. You can take medicine. You can change your diet. But is that a guarantee that you're going to be healed? No. But can God heal you? Yes. And so what do you do? You go to the doctor and you take the medicine. You do all the things the doctor says. And then you pray, God, heal me. Heal them. Either now or in, in the resurrection. Your will be done, not mine, but you can do it. Some of you are worried about your adult children that are unbelievers. You cannot save them. You cannot make decisions for them. You can speak wisdom into their life. You can speak truth into their life. You can pray for them. Because what you can't do, only God can do, and God can. He says he can give his angels charge over them to protect your children so that at night we can pray, God, you love my kids more than me, and you died for them. Protect them, save them, use them, watch over them. I give them to you. You do all that you can, and you give the rest to God. And now I'm going to go to sleep, trusting that God is staying awake to handle it. If you want anxiety and worry out of your life, you have to know what goes in the my responsibility can and God's responsibility can. And if you take what is God's responsibility and you try to put it on your shoulders, you will break. You will be crippled under the weight of that responsibility that you cannot control. Most of our worry comes from trying to control things that are out of our control. And we need to control what we can and trust God with the rest. Finally, we have to think on what is true, what is good, and what is beautiful. Verse 8 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We cannot control what we are going through. We cannot control the circumstances we are thrust into, but what we can control is what we think about. We can't control the situation we're in, but we can control what we think about. If you are a news junkie and you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is open your news app on your phone and you are glued to what is going on in the world, I can almost guarantee you that you are living in either fear or anger or worry. Because do you know what sells news and what drives clicks? Fear and anger and outrage. Fear, anger, and outrage. And so if you are waking up every morning feeding yourself fear and anger and outrage, well, you're going to be a person who's living in fear and who is angry and who is outraged and who is worried about the world and its state. I want you to think for a moment about social media, the thing that we're all ingesting all the time. 
that thing that we're glued to all day long. This is fascinating. Every single study uh, over the past 10 years that has looked at social media usage has concluded that the more you intake social media, three things drastically increase. Loneliness, depression, and anxiety. The more you're on social media, the more depressed you'll be, the more lonely you'll be, and the more anxiety you'll have. They shouldn't call it social media. They should call it anti-social media. They should, because it promises to connect you, but the more you buy in, the less connected you actually feel. Social media creates a comparison monster in us, right? Because you get on it, and all you, you get on it, and you're excited to, to be, you know, to see all this fun stuff, but what you see is, oh, my friends all went out to dinner, and they didn't invite me. Oh, I thought my vacation was awesome, but then I saw their vacation, and I realized my vacation was kind of lame. Oh, I thought the new car, the new, you know, 2008 Mazda I just got was super cool, but then this guy got a 2020. Oh. I thought my house was big and awesome, and then I saw there. It's just a comparison game, and it just sucks the joy out of all the gifts God has given you. It doesn't give life. It sucks it out of you. There is a reason, a staggering statistic, that I think we've got to take really serious as parents. There's a reason that since the inception of Instagram, Pre-teen girl suicide rates are up 200%. 200%. Social media is not a neutral situation. Parents, not only should we be incredibly wise and careful and balanced about our social media usage, what we are intaking, we should think long and hard before allowing our children to have it. I would contend with you that they are not emotionally, spiritually, or generally mature enough to handle it. Because I think most of y'all aren't either. Or me. Because it promises connection and it actually sucks the life out of you. Just I want you to think a moment about the language around social media. What do you call when you when you swipe down to reload the page? What do we call that? Refresh the page. And all day long we're refreshing the page, yet we're never refreshed. We scroll all day long on this thing that we call our feed, and yet we're never fed. We're always hungry for more. It doesn't feed us. You see, guys, God wants to put peace into your hearts, right? He wants to put peace and calmness and tranquility in your hearts. But there's no room in you because you are full to the brim and so clogged up with garbage, there's no room for peace. Because you've filled your whole day with news and outrage and anger and social media and comparison and all of these things, there's no room for what God wants to put into you. God wants to refresh you with his, parent, with his presence, but he can't. Because there is no room. He wants to deliver you. He wants to nourish your soul with spiritual food. To release you from fear and worry and anxiety. But he can't because you have gorged yourself on everything that is not good, not beautiful, not true. But what is ugly and what is bad and what is false. You have been bombarded with fear mongering and news and panic and comparison. And you are drained. And it is no wonder that anxiety and depression and mental illness is at an all-time high in our country. God is telling us right here through his word, what goes in comes out. And if you want peace in your life, you have to know the prince of peace. You know, we say garbage in, garbage out, what goes in comes out. That's not just true with food, that's true with everything. And if you're just taking garbage in, and you're not, <laughs> then that's what's going to come out of your life. It's going to manifest in worry and anxiety and fear. 
And so we've got we've to be glued to what is true, what is good, and what is beautiful in all of life, spiritual and otherwise, finding the good, the true, and the beautiful. And then that comes out. We want to know peace, we've got to know the prince of peace. We've got to want victory, we've got to know the one who's conquered the grave. It is not enough to just be saved. You have got to walk and talk and gaze upon and bask in and think on and meditate on and filter out and wonder at Jesus and what is true and what is good and what is beautiful. It makes no sense to think that if we think on what is false, bad, and ugly that our life will be full of peace, steadiness, and joy. It just doesn't work that way. But if we are meditating and reflecting on and what is good, what is beautiful, don't you know that peace, love, and joy, gentleness, and steadfastness, and hope, and comfort are what's going to come out? We don't get to choose what we're going through, but we do get to choose what we think about. So, brothers and sisters, we all face anxiety. Every one of us in this room, we all face anxiety, but we do not have to face it alone. We don't have to face it alone, but we, we, we also don't have to face it unarmed. We don't have to face it alone, and we can have the weapons to face it together and to fight it. We have a community of brothers and sisters standing around us, and we do not have to be embarrassed or scared because we are all broken. We are all broken. We are all sinners. We are all anxious. We are all worried. We are all stressed. We are all afraid. We have all of these emotions, and so we can share them together, knowing we're all in the same boat, and there's no judgment. And we do not have to face anxiety unarmed. We have the comfort of the presence of God. We have the ability to fight for joy by rehearsing gratitude. We can control what we can can control and trust the rest to a good God who died for us. And if he's died for us, how will he not also with him give us all things, Romans 8. And then we can look at what is true, good, and beautiful and stop taking in garbage. We can take in what is true, good, and beautiful instead. We are not helpless and we are not alone. But there are some of you in this room. And you have been carrying the weight of anxiety because you've been carrying the weight of your sin. And the weight of your sin is something (laughs) that is way too heavy for you to bear. And maybe this morning you are beginning to see that God himself is the only peace that could be offered in your life. That God himself is the only thing that can carry the weight of your sin, forgive it, and take the weight off of your shoulders and set you free. If that's you this morning, as we sing, I'm going to stand right there. You come and you say, Brent, I want to know Jesus and I want to be set free and I want the weight lifted. And I'll introduce you to him. There are some of you in this room and you're battling anxiety. I want to pray with you. I want you to find someone to battle with this through. To stop battling alone, tell someone. If that's you this morning, let me just have the opportunity to pray with you. The peace of God that will guard our hearts in Christ is possible for you. You can have it. But only if you're in Christ and only if you know how to fight for it. If you're in Christ, you begin to do these things, peace can overcome you. Worry and anxiety can be a thing of the past. And you'll be able to sleep at night knowing that your God never sleeps or slumbers. And he is always working for you. And you can rest peacefully without worry. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your kindness this morning. Father, we know that there are people in this room who do not know you. They they don't know the Prince of Peace. They may be unreligious, but religion doesn't save anyone. It may be good, but goodness doesn't save anyone. And there's a weight upon them, and you want to lift it, but they've been trying to carry it alone. Father, this morning, would you give them the courage to come up here and say, Brent, let let me know Jesus to save them, 
to lift them out of this bondage. And Father, for those children of yours in this room right now, who have been suffering under the weight of anxiety, God, would you set them free? Would you give them these tools to practice that they could be set free from it? To not just pray, God, relieve me of it and do nothing, but to to pray, God, relieve me of this, but then to also put these tools in their hands and to do the things needed to be able to trust you and to act accordingly, to rest in your presence, to rehearse gratitude, to take in what is true good of you. If you're here this morning and you need to pray, it would be my joy to do so with you. If you need to sing, let's sing to Jesus and thank him for his kindness and goodness. Father, we love you so much. In Christ's name we pray. All those people said, let's stand together.